This is the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast session number 130, Getting Back on Point. Hello and welcome to session number 130 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. I'm Annette Bone and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a super long hiatus, the lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful artists I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. I love a comeback story, don't you? I'm happy to share one with you today, my interview with the founder of MyBalletBell.com, Sonia Church, who also left dance for a little while and found herself wanting to get back into it, giving herself permission to get back into it and returning stronger than ever. We talk about her process of getting back into dance, how her business developed, and her running into complete strangers who told her that she needed to be a dancer. I am so excited to share this interview with you. Thank you for joining me. Hi, this is Sonia Church, dancer and founder of Ballet Bell, and you are listening to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Bone. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. Everyone loves a comeback story, and my guest is yet another example of someone who let go of a passion only to have it transform into something bigger when she returned to it. My special guest today is the lovely Sonia Church, creator and CEO of Ballet Bell, a lifestyle brand for dancers and dance enthusiasts. Ballet Bell offers products including jewelry, apparel, dance gear, and decor. I'm really looking forward to getting into her story because I resonate so much with a lot of elements of what has happened in her life. Sonia, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks, Annette. That was a really lovely intro. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited about our conversation. And I have to start by reading something that you wrote on your website, introducing your story and the mission behind Ballet Bell. I think it's so important. Of course, people can go to your site and I'll link all of your information in the show notes. However, I think this is a great intro into getting into our conversation. So um, I'm going to go ahead and do this because I love it. So um, you said... This is uh, your words. I'm, I'm going to take it exactly from your website. I quit celebrating who I was as a dancer when I quit ballet at age 17. I wasn't good enough to get into Juilliard or to dance with a Joffrey, so I simply gave up. Looking back, of course, I see how my reasoning was convoluted. I went through years of identity loss, depression, feelings of hopelessness, and lack of purpose. I couldn't even watch ballet without feeling agony. It took me seven years to realize that ballet was an inescapable part of me, a part of me that could not be silenced or forgotten with age. I concluded that I didn't have to be a world-renowned dancer to receive significance from classical ballet. I realized that standing at the bar doing plies was where I belonged. No other outlet could channel the passion that burst within me when I PK'd onto point or did grand jetés across the floor. So I decided to start training again just for me. At age 23, I jumped back into intermediate ballet. I danced multiple times a week with fierce determination. 
after a year of this, I was not only back in shape, I was better than when I quit. Boom. Oh my gosh, Sonia. I love that. Wow. When I read that, I was tearing up because I so resonate with elements of your story of getting back and giving it up, getting back into it during that period of time, really feeling lost. And so can you go into that? Um, why didn't you think that you were good enough to get into Joffrey and to Juilliard? And, and what was that process like? And how, you know, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think if you, anyone who has been raised in the ballet world and grown up in ballet culture and spent their life in the ballet classroom next to those bars in that mirror would know that that I, that perfectionist ideal just always haunts you. So I think that growing up, because I never identified as the best dancer in the room, the thinnest dancer, I didn't have the best feet, didn't have the best extensions. I never really had the best anything. I also didn't get cast as the soloist annually. So I guess I never identified as the best potential dancer to make it in the big dance world. And growing up being a natural perfectionist and being like very idealist in my own thinking, um, I guess I was afraid to pursue something if I couldn't dominate at it and be the absolute best. So for me personally, I thought, well, if I can't make it really hard or be cast in the New York City Ballet Company, then I don't feel proud enough of myself within this art form. So I think it was just a twisted way of looking at something that's really just a beautiful really rare outlet for myself to come alive. And it wasn't until I removed that from my life that I realized how crucial it actually was for my own just health, my spiritual, emotional, and mental health. Does that answer your question? Yes. Where did that perfectionist attitude come from? Was that just expectations put upon you on yourself? Where did Where do you think that came from? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, again, I think growing up as a ballerina, especially if you're in a good, I was in a school that also had a company. So for me, class is a competition in and of itself, right? You're competing against yourself, you're competing against other students, and you're competing within a company if there's casting involved. So I think that within that environment, there was a lot of competition and pressure. And then I also come from an athletic, very competitive family. I have four brothers. My father's really athletic, and he was actually uh, a teacher slash football coach. And his motto was like, never give up, you know, be the best you can be, focus on one thing and become incredible at that thing. And it instilled a lot of great, I think, values, and it gave us a lot of work ethic. But I think the kind of like ugly underbelly of all that was I was so afraid to not be absolutely astounding at one thing. So I think there was a little bit of just that environment growing up. And then they say that just in America that we have a very perfectionist performance culture. And I would say that that's 
through, I mean you're rewarded for your performance, whether that's professionally or academically or athletically. That's kind of what drives you. Where was the turning point where you decided, you know, I'm going to get back into dance and I'm going to do it for myself? Yes. Well, <laughs> oh, I think so I started dabbling in theater in college and I hadn't danced in years. I wouldn't dare uh try to dance. It was too painful because I would I would imagine going to class and how awful, you know, my extensions and painful like adagio would be compared to what it was seven or eight years prior. So I thought there's no way I'm going to make a fool of myself and take a ballet class. But then I thought this is kind of ridiculous because I can't even watch ballet performances. When I would see dancing on point, I would get so stirred on the inside, but then I would get upset and feel agony at the same time because I didn't have that within my life anymore and it was my own fault. So when I started acting in college, I experienced this whole coming alive on stage all over again, but it was like another level when I did theater, theater and acting and I realized, "Oh my gosh, this is who I am. I'm a performer, I'm an artist. I was meant to be seen." and that is okay. And then I had heard that movement training and dance actually helped um with your craft, your acting craft. So, I heard that Vanderbilt, which was where I was at school, I heard that they had a dance program for students and you could just take various levels of ballet classes. So, I gave myself permission <laughs> to take a ballet class and with no expectation like i just really removed that burden and that like bar that mental bar that i always felt like i had to drive to attain which you know it it was it was a process i think it took time to go to classes to turn off that critical voice to not look in the mirror and uh talk myself out of being there and to encourage the small victories like hey Sonia you still have really good arches good job you should get some point shoes and start you know working on some free points so i started to get back into it in college i was very secretive about it i didn't want people to know that <laughs> and honestly i think when i really threw myself into it full throttle was and this is getting personal and spiritual but i'm quite an open book so i'm just going to go for it I had a couple I would just say like god moments where a couple people came up to me who didn't even know me and they were like I don't know why but you look like a dancer and we feel like you're supposed to dance like on point. It was actually three different people who didn't even know me and it was just this weird spiritual sense that like this is what god was calling me to do and that it was going to be just something that was beyond me. So I was scared to death to really start training again in order to be able to get on point, but I just prayed about it, thought about it, and found a local dance school. They gave me a scholarship, which did not make sense because I was not like an advanced student. So I was like, "Wow, that must be a god thing." Um and I just started training. I would pray over my body. I would make positive declarations over myself. I really hate myself. Um 
I would go, I was like, I'm not going to jump back into advanced. I'm just going to do intermediate. I'm not going to put point twos on for another few months because I've got to just train my body up to get some strength and flexibility. So that's, that was a huge turning point for me was just like these little, like almost subliminal messages, but not so subliminal. Actually, they were quite direct from what I felt like was just God speaking to me about something that he made me to do, created me for. And then I just jumped in head first because I'm very all or nothing. So that was how I chose to do it. Wow. That's what I mean. What a story. It's just, uh, you said so many important things about giving yourself the space to to go back in without judgment. I mean, that's huge. The fact that you approached it that way, because you could have gone into it the old way, like, you know, I got to be good at this, or I'm not doing it at all. But I think with time comes maturity. And when you step away from something, you get different perspectives, whether you want to or not, you know, and I so resonated with what you said about you couldn't watch ballet, but you, you know, you watched it, but then you had this aching and all the the way that you described it, I thought, oh, gosh, I felt like that too, when I wasn't dancing. So I'm so happy that you shared that and so thankful that you're so open about how this process has evolved. And um, I know that you had said that you've been you've lived in a lot of different countries, right? And the language of dance is universal. What country would you say that you got impacted by the most, was it dance related or was it just the culture and the people? What would you say about that? Which country just in and of itself has impacted me the most? Yes. Well, I probably would say Norway. My mother is Norwegian and I grew up for most of my childhood. I was in Belgium for eight years. And we would spend our summers in Norway. And because she's Norwegian, the native, and she's fluent, she spoke to me in Norwegian growing up. So I was really blessed and able to acquire that language. I'm not as fluent as I used to be. I'm more conversational now. But there was just something so sweet about spending my summers in Norway because I have a huge family there. It's extremely family-centered, and they live in this, like, small little seaside, ultra-picturesque Norwegian town that has the ocean, and then it has, like, woods and forests and cliffs and fresh fish. It's just got, like, the best of both worlds, and I have quite just idyllic memories of spending my summers growing up there and being around my huge family and speaking Norwegian and eating way too much gluten (laughs) (laughs) and like goat cheese and caviar. And I'm kind of obsessed with that part of my heritage because it feels like it really, a part of me awakens when I'm there. And I feel like it's such an important thing to go back to your roots and to, I don't know, again, being a really spiritual person, there's something really powerful about, your where you're from and that ethnicity and that culture kind of like awakening you and reminding you of the things that you love and where you came from. So definitely Norway holds probably one of the sweetest places in my heart. What is the dance scene like there? That's a really good question. Uh, it is, I think it's not very common unless you are in a big city. So I know 
in Oslo, they have a beautiful opera house and they have a professional ballet company that is there. The opera house in Oslo, it is stunning. It's like this modern building that's made out of marble and I think concrete. It was like a multi-million dollar project that a famous architect did and it's out on water. So it almost looks like this floating building, and that's where they have um, the Norwegian National Opera and Ballet. Okay, I have to go to Norway now after you said all that. <laughs> sounds, oh my gosh, it sounds amazing. It sounds just absolutely beautiful. So you have um, this ballet background, and now you have a business. What came first going back into dance and then developing ballet bell or did you already have in your mind before you know I want to create a ballet business or ballet product ballet centered business how did that all come about in developing your company yes great question so the ballet came first and the training as an adult and getting back into it also came way before the business it came before I met my husband and I actually met my husband after I'd been training uh, intensely for a year and a half, and he is in business. And what happened was, after about being married about, I think, two and a half years, he is, uh, one of the businesses he was running was a t-shirt business. So he would market different kinds of designs on all different kinds of styles of t-shirts, and he would market using Facebook as his primary platform. And we were staying with my parents, uh, and he woke up one morning. This is, I promise, this is like legitimately the story of this design. He woke up one morning and he saw a picture of me on my parents' fridge from when I was like five years old, and I was standing in first position, not purposefully. That's just, you know, how I stood because I had danced <laughs> so long. And, and like wearing this little peacoat and sailor's hat, like drowning in this like wool, really traditional attire with my little first position. And he thought it was so endearing, I guess, especially since I still dance. And he had already started designing ballet t-shirts, I guess, just from being inspired from me talking about it and it being a part of my life. And he found that his ballet-themed t-shirts were super successful. And I always joked, I was like, well, that's because you married into, like, the spiritual power. <laughs> um, but he saw that picture of me in first position, and he created, we actually sell the design still. He created a design that simply said, love. So it was the word love printed on the t-shirt, but the V was a pair of ballet slippers in first position. It's a super simple design, but people really enjoyed it. And he just started thinking, you know, there's probably like more of a demand than we realize. And when he spoke to me about a potential business in the ballet kind of lifestyle niche, I thought, wow, yeah, there is avoid here because you can get the practical gear. You can go to Discount Dance or Capizio, you name it, and you can get gear for days. But as far as like a lifestyle brand, I had never heard of one. And I had never heard of one that did like ballet-inspired leisure or street clothes. So we began to just talk and dream about what that would look like. And he honestly really gave me the push and uh, that I needed. And 
he's he's a lot of the brains behind, you know, kind of the model. He helped me really construct and build the business and with his background and experience. So we launched it very new. We launched it this past January 2017. Wow, that is really cool. It's I love the story behind how your brand developed. And I love that you cater to not only to the young dancer, but to the dance moms and to the enthusiasts as well as the training dancer. And I loved, again, like how you talked about your story. I thought that was so important and just really touched me and resonated with me so much. What would you say about um, the lessons you've learned? I know the business is new. It's doing very well. I know that you have started a wholesale branch as well, right? What's? It seems like a lot of things have been moving very quickly. What would you say about all that? Yes. So <laughs> we definitely weren't anticipating the wholesale side. We started to get a number of inquiries regarding wholesale orders and accounts. And so... We've been working on getting that operation launched uh, very recently, and it's it's essentially it's a wholesale discount that um, pe- anyone it's really just U.S. side. It's not international yet, but um, we just recently launched that. And then, uh, just as far as some things we've learned with business, as we all know, customer service equals or happy customers is everything. So I think. One thing we've really realized is we need to make sure our products are quality and that they resonate with our audience. And then number two, we really need to value having great customer service. Because if you have great products that uh, resonate, that make the audience happy, and then if you have great customer service on top of it, typically you end up with happy customers. And that's kind of the core of especially like a retail business. That is true. That is very true. And there's there are products I can think of right off the bat for my dance, some dance related, some not that I love their products, but their customer service not hasn't been like up to par. And so that kind of, you know, that experience is not totally complete for me. But then when you have a great product and you have great customer service, it's you definitely have a loyal customer and it makes you want to buy from that business that much more. So I appreciated that you said that. So we're going to go into uh, what I call the dance printering quick step. There are three questions. And it'll be interesting what you say about these (laughs) with your ballet background. So um, dance style you haven't tried, but would like to and why? A dance style I haven't tried. Oh, I I, I know this is surprising and it's not going to be that... (laughs) big of a um, branching out for me, but um, I have always wanted to do contemporary ballet work on point. I think, yeah, because I personally, for me, point is the most rewarding aspect of dancing ballet. And I listen to like composers such as Hans Zimmer or just like really dramatic epic film score composers and I imagine the most gorgeous contemporary ballet pieces on point when I see them and so I've always wanted to be able to do some sort of contemporary work with um, uh, point choreography and then I would also say I have tried hip-hop but not enough and when no one's home and I'm cleaning the house and doing something that is like very housewifey boring Beyonce does come on (laughs) And sometimes I literally think I am Beyonce or Rihanna, and it is so good that no one's home. 
<laughs> well, when you do that uh, contemporary ballet piece, please make a video of it and put it on your site so we can all see it. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be really, really cool. <laughs> Thanks. Who's your favorite dancer or choreographer and why? A great question. I have to think about it for a second. It's definitely going to be a dancer, and I ended up going with Jillian Murphy. She's been around oh, for Oh, yes. Long. Yes. She's a principal dancer with ABT, uh, and I actually think she dances with Royal New Zealand Ballet as well. Um, I think she kind of gets around, but I don't know. There's just something about, of course, being a ballet dancer, I feel like I'm kind of like vain when it comes to like how they look and their body type. and. But she's got just this, like, healthy, beautiful build. And she also, if I may say, has a chest. So she looks very feminine still. She's mm-hmm. not, you know, withering away. Um, and I don't know. She just has almost like this coy but very present feel to her personhood. And I enjoy watching her dance so much. And she... I follow her on Instagram. I don't know her personally, but she kind of strikes me as like a quirky person. And I like quirky people. Ah, yes. (laughs) So what is the dance style that currently describes your day and why? Currently describes my day and why. (laughs) Well, I was having a bit of an emotional day before this. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't feeling too great. And then some things kind of like got stacked up and I got a little overwhelmed and emotional. So I feel like if I were to dance a style, it would probably be like a wilting kind of sad, I don't know, like adagio or something. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's all I tend to like be drawn to more melancholic, like point pieces. Oh, interesting. Well, thank you for admitting that because I thought, you know, I, I kind of had that day myself, but I feel so much better talking to you now and I get to have you on the podcast, which has been such a delight. So thank you. Yeah, it's like a dying swan kind of day. <laughs> <laughs> a dying swan kind of day. Okay. <laughs> well, if you want to find out more about Ballet Bell and look at the awesome products that are offered on this site, you can go to myballetbell.com. Sonia, it has been so wonderful to have you and to have this conversation. I'm so excited to share this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Annette. Thank you for your time and great question. Another testimony that it is never too late to go back to what you love and do it even better. If you want to continue this conversation, I would love to hear from you and you can join my private Facebook group, The Dancepreneuring Collective. Send me a direct message and I would be happy to add you and get to know you better. If you found this podcast helpful or any of the other sessions helpful, I would really appreciate a rating, a review, and for you to subscribe on either Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. And that way I can improve the podcast and get your name out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Until next time, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I really look forward to spending time with you again. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com.
This podcast copyright by AnnetteBone.com and Dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.